really do. You're a 21 year old punk fucking kid. This grandpa's giving you everything all your fucking life. You've never had a car payment, a house payment. Everything you live in was given to you by grandpa. You fucking don't know what it's like to work for a fucking living like I do. To bust my fucking ass and do what I do. And you know what, Sean? You fucked me, and that's the way you got it. But you know what? Your grandpa's money will run out someday, and you'll have to feast for yourself. Get a fucking job, you piece of shit. Welcome to Behind the Smoke, Barbecue War Stories. My name is Sean Walchef with Cali Comfort Barbecue. We are recording above the butcher shop out in East County, out in beautiful Spring Valley, uh, with my man Derek Marceau of Valley Farm Market. How are we doing today? Today is awesome, man. Everything's going well. Getting a lot of uh, new applicants in the store, so doing a lot of um, interviews and uh, had four new hires this week. So Four been, new hires. Been pretty exciting. They're going to go through orientation and um, orientation onboarding. Sign, sign all the good documents that they have to sign, and we have to make sure HR is on them about all their the ins and outs. And yep. then uh, we're, we're doing new things that we um, implemented earlier last year. Um, when they come here, I give them a, a list. So every their first four days they work here, they have a list every day that they have to walk around the store and get the groceries that I tell them to get. Perfect. That way it kind of introduces them to the store. So no they, matter the position? Yeah. No, it doesn't matter if you're a barbecue clerk or a cashier or you It's know, like a hide and seek? Well, it's just not – I mean, I'm not hiding those things. I'm just saying like, go find uh, you know, like an egg cat hunt. food. Yeah. No, it's good. Cat food. So, yeah, that, so, you, that way so you're familiar with so. if, if a Or a customer comes in and says, hey, where's the cat food? They can say, oh, well. I remember the first day I worked here, I had to go find cat food. I love so, that. That's great. It's uh, been pretty cool. Disney does the same kind of thing. They train their people that are street sweepers. The street sweepers are actually not even, their job isn't to sweep the street. Their job is to be a point of contact for the person that's coming to Disneyland. So wow. they're actually part of the welcoming committee. So they spend all their time during orientation not even sweeping the street. They just find out where things are, get oriented with the map, know where restrooms are. Pretty fascinating. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Well, today is actually a really cool day for me. Um, I got to uh, or get to bring on one of my best friends that I've been um, best friends with since we were or since I was born. He's a lot older than me. So uh, <laughs> decades. We, yeah, we, I always tease him about that. But um, Josh Kieber, who is now the president and owner of Next Gen Building Group, um, he was actually at my birth. Our parents <clears throat> were friends. Uh, where I lived, we had a horse corral across the street, and Josh's parents had horses there. So I've known him my whole life. But um, Josh, welcome. Thank you for uh, taking the time. I know you're busy, but thank you for taking the time to come out and uh, shoot the shit with us, man. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, and not only is he uh, one of my best friends, we're actually neighbors now. I know, that's crazy. How wild is that? Yeah, it's like the uh, Ben Stiller movie with uh, Jack Black. They get They all of a sudden get houses next to each other, and they just fuck with each other all the time. Yeah, no, it's uh, it was one of those things where, you know, we've always, I lived out in um came to Spring Valley, and me and my wife had our house, and then we were always looking to get back up to Humul. Josh had bought a house up there, and, um, you know, we we're always trying to get back out there, get more land, you know, knowing we want to have kids and, and give them the opportunity to, you know, kind of play how we played when we were young with a bunch of properties and um, run around and do stuff. And so Josh kept looking for me. I kept looking. And then one day he calls me. He's like, dude, um, the house right next door to me, it's going to go up. You got to come look at it. I'm like, right on, man. I'll come up, uh, you know, maybe next week. He's like, no, no, no. Um, you got to come up like today. 
And this was a Saturday. We were busy at work. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, you got to come up today, man. And I'm like, what, what's, what's the rush? And he's like, well, she's going to put it on the market on a Sat or a Monday, right? right? It was Monday that she's going to put it on the market. So I'm like, oh, okay, here I go. So I drove up there, met her, very, very sweet lady. And, um, you know, what is it, two years later now? And here we are. And I got the house and uh, doing a lot of work to it. But now Next Gen Building Group is actually going, he's so excited about this. I can't tell you how very excited he excited. is. Very excited. He gets to remodel my house now. He oh, gets to do, do an addition. Um, and, I, and I tease about that because it, he doesn't do. Uh, this kind of work he does more of a commercial style work but um he's gonna help me out and do this but um yeah josh why don't you kind of walk us through a little bit about how uh you know you came to be the president of next gen building group bit of a a long story from the previous company but we're basically so next gen building groups um uh, a and b licensed general contractor we we specialize in uh, commercial construction primarily public facilities uh, schoolwork, courthouses, parks, fire stations, any publicly funded projects. So uh, a bit of history on it was uh, we worked for, you know, I say we as a team because many of the, the team members that currently work at NextGen were part of the previous company that, that we worked together at as well. So uh, early 2000, we, uh, I began working at the, the previous company, the Augustine, Augustine company. Yeah. Um, and worked with a, a, a great team for many years under the former president of that company, uh, Carol. So we... Uh, and you did everything there, right? I mean, I mean, obviously you weren't out banging a bunch of nails, but you did the estimating. Um, yeah, I started out as, as estimating and then kind of progressed into various roles of project management. And then later down the road, I think as, uh, as Carol began to see retirement mm-hmm. down the pipe... Right. Uh, you know, I had the opportunity to, to kind of work side by side with her. And actually it was, you know, one of the greatest opportunities or, or helped lead to starting the new business because, you know, she was a great, uh, educator, mentor, very, very well respected in the construction industry as a female as well. So Mm -hmm. somewhat rare in that type of role as a, as a president of a construction company. So you know, I was I was blessed with having that opportunity working with her and uh, the rest of the team. So everybody, it was a very tight knit, a, a mom and pop feel, a small company with you know zero turnover, history, personal vested interest in a company, and and that's what you know I believe led to its success. So right. um, working there, I mean. At, at certain points in time, there were, there were, you know, the, the newest employee was, had worked there for 10 years. So, you know, we all worked together for quite a, quite a while. Uh, like is I that, said, is that normal in that type of, I mean, I would say no, uh, that's gotta be crazy, right? Isn't there a lot, a lot more turnover? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, especially with, with construction in general, with, with start and finish of projects, dead time. I mean, definitely in the field and management, it's, it's basically as needed basis, right? But uh, not to say that there's not long-term employment at, at large companies, but I think this was a, a you know, a unusual or sure. special circumstance. So. When did you find your passion for the business? You know, I, I think Carol brought me on in, in early 2000s as a, as somebody that she could train and mold 
for what she, what her vision, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think they had went through some uh, estimators and other employees in the past that that may have come in with their own program or mentality that didn't quite work, and it's a it's a bit of a niche in this commercial public industry. Uh, so I had worked previously with with her oldest son Steve, who we still work together now, um, in in construction, you know, early twenties, that kind of thing. Um, did a bit of estimating with with trade contractors, and then uh, I was out of it and, and in real estate for a while. And you know, when um, Carol presented the opportunity, it was just a bit before the the real estate bust and. Before two thousand and eight, or right around that. Time. Oh, pre. I think we're talking two thousand first, first, first bus, first one. Yeah. Gotcha. So, uh, you know, I went with it, and it, you know, it all. Did you know that that's you know when you started doing estimating? Did you know like okay, I can see myself doing this for a long time? Not necessarily. So it wasn't this this uh, you know real rewarding. By the, it's right. not. It's actually a very uh, unappreciative. You know, there's a lot of negativity or or loss, right? So you could you could estimating you might bid ten projects and and get one, and then you get one, and well, what? Why did you get it? Did you miss something? Sure. You, right. <laughs> you know, are you going to cost right. the company money? Are you You're under the microscope? For right. Sure. And and in our scenario, like I said, it was very very personal. So close family friends. Yeah, we've known them forever. Forever. Yeah. So we played, we played a little league with them. We've with the Rousers. Um, known them forever so yeah it's got to be and you guys were basically neighbors right i mean right down the street from each other yeah steve her, her oldest you know former president carol's oldest steve we grew up together so uh you know it's been it's been quite a run but you know leading into the transition i guess i should say would be that you know carol was the uh the president of the company and m- most assumed that she owned the company there was an out-of-town owner that has you know wasn't really involved and had mm-hmm. been out of the, the scene for, you know, 15 plus years, I would say. Uh, so there, there, there was always an assumption plan in place and even, even written documents to some form that, that the family, meaning the Rauscher family, mm-hmm. Carol, Steve, sons, et cetera, were going to take over the business. And, and uh, long story short, I, it didn't pan out the way that it didn't pan out as expected. I the succession think the, plan, if it's not in writing and if it's not communicated throughout, it's usually doesn't go as planned. Yeah, isn't that funny? We're in contracting, but we, we, we lack. <laughs> you don't want to deal with we the lack shit. A, yeah, right. You know, when right. I say we, I'm, I'm speaking yeah, for yeah. Carol because we were, you know, worked together for so long. But, but uh, at any rate, it, it, it was uh, the plan from there. I think it started out with a opportunity to buy the company that was far more than expected for for them and I don't mean to you know share too much of that their story on it but mm-hmm. it was uh, proceeded to a plan or contract to help wind down the company so the previous owner was was older and ready to kind of wrap things up from a bonding capability liability mm-hmm. perspective uh, so we stayed on board a select few of us to support closing down the company successfully, complete work in progress. That Which is a nightmare thing. in in of itself, right? A total nightmare. <clears throat> right. A total, a complete nightmare. Right. But, you know, at the same time, the experience is invaluable to, you know, 
to go through that process. I hope I never need to go through it again, right? right. But but the things that I learned during that process were were amazing. So, yeah. I mean, from you know corporation issues to to negotiating out of leases to you know completing work and process to to insurances. Who did you have helping you along the way? I did a lot of uh, say, a lot of self-taught uh <laughs> self-taught. Finally, Josh, yeah. he did pretty much everything himself. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there was a plan to, you know, once that once that process was finished, it was to be either uh takeover of the corporation once it was, you know, books were zeroed out balance, let's say, and work was complete, liability was kind of taken care of, but but I think from there at some point in the process, I anticipated that that may drag on or may not occur. Yep. Right. So at that point, you know, was, was the decision to establish a new company, a new corporation. Well, let's, let's talk about entity. that a little bit because it wasn't just that easy either. It was, um, <clears throat> Josh had the opportunity and, uh, I think, one of the reasons I wanted to really get him on here too is to kind of share his um, his story about he had the opportunity when everyone kind of knew that the Augustine company was, you know, coming to an end. Um, there was a lot of people that called you and wanted you to work for them, right? And um, I know you flew out to Syracuse. You did went to a number of different places and got presented with um, offers to work for another company. And I mean, talk about kind of like what made you want to go and just do it yourself, because those are some of the toughest decisions I would imagine, because I know you and I had a lot of nights together, just you and I just talking in, in the garage or wherever, um, just drinking water usually, right. um, <laughs> but um, just kind of going over like, you know, is this taking on all this liability, doing all these things, you know, what, what made you say, okay, I'm actually going to do it. I'm, I'm going to do it. I mean, I know, but I, I want you to kind of be able to share that a little bit. Right. Well, I, I guess number one, it's something that I always wanted to do. And, and the years leading up to that was almost anticipated and planned. I, I was planning on doing such, right. Right. But, uh, once the scenario kind of actually occurred, right. And we went through the process, Steve included. He actually went with me to Syracuse. And, right. and we didn't, um, you know, neither one of us actually solicited or went out looking for work. We had a task in front of us to, to complete operations of the current company. But when um, we went out there, it was a great group of people. We know some of we had worked together with them in the past on some airport projects here in San Diego. Um, they're a large engineering firm looking to start a construction division here in San Diego. So, you know, it was uh, it was kind of a slap in the face because it's it's really you're at the point like okay hey, let's jump off the edge right. But to me, it was no better time. Right. You're you're in the the transition from yeah one closing. You you know you're not you're not taking the jump. It was easier for me to justify. Maybe that's the way sure. to say it, right? Because mm -hmm. it was the the same concept. You have a, so if you're not going to start now, when are you going to start? When are you going to start? Right? You're going to you're going to Delay it yeah. and and prolong. You Starting know, what at you another want to do. company isn't going to get you anywhere closer to getting what you want. Absolutely not. So you know, I think that was the approach I I, I took even with with the other company. You know, I, I after the trip to Syracuse and the discussions with them, you know, I circled back with them in in honesty and said that you know, in lieu of going back and forth on a on a uh, offer letter. Yeah. 
it was good. It, it, it was unrelated to the offer, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to waste your time with, Hey, let's negotiate this. And then me tell, you no at the end, I, it was, the people were great. The trip was great. Everything, you know, but the decision is something that I need to do for myself. Sure. Right. Um, I don't think, you know, I would be doing your company any justice by sitting in your desk thinking about why I should have done this. I mean, right. I, th- I think part of the thing that, you know, I love the most about doing this podcast is it allows us to dig into the entrepreneurial decision making process. Um, you know, you talked about the gut feeling that you had and the stuff that you were dealing with on the insurance liability side, you know, corporation side that you didn't know shit about until you're forced to fucking deal with it. And right. then when you deal with it, you're like, man, this is kind of fucked up. You know, they, they, didn't <laughs> right. do this, they didn't do this shit right. You know, they didn't plan for succession. They didn't plan for, it was all this, it was all based off of assumption. And your exact job is in the details of making sure that you're estimating, you know, everything that you do on one side of the business isn't getting done on the other side. Right. And, you know, it puts you in a unique position to see how you want to build your company. You know, and giving giving birth to next gen. Talk about why you chose next gen, and you know that those long nights. I know you know you have to have people in your corner. You have to have people like Derek. Derek and I have had countless conversations about all kinds of different stuff. But you got to have that trusted group. You know, and part of this podcast is we want to bring on a variety of guests so that we can talk about different aspects of business because all this stuff matters. And the older that we get. We know that we need to learn. We, we know we know we know less and less every single day. Right. We have to rely on people that we trust that have experience that are willing to share the shitty side of business. Uh, talk about the birth of Next Gen. Yeah. So following the, uh, you know, basically uh, six figures plus four weeks vacation, <laughs> some uh, stock <laughs> options, bonus structure, right, benefits package, or. Not going to make any money for the first Liquidate year. Liquidate assets. <laughs> Liquidate assets. No, find money. You know, no come check. Come up with a business and, plan. You know, make yeah. shit up. But, right. Um, so from there, you know, it, it was a, a decision that I consulted with, with our team as well. That, mm-hmm. That's our current team also. So those key employees that stayed on and helped with that are, are still a part of our team. How, um, many, how many would you say? What percentage? So we have a, a good majority of office management. So we have, you know, and field management, Steve, particularly, um, four key, key core Huge. employees that are a great asset and, mm-hmm. and who have all worked together for over 10 years. Right. Already. Yeah. So, you know, Steve and I going back would go back and forth on this decision initially. And it, you know, something that also was at that time when the offer was presented, it was, I mentioned they were establishing a new construction firm here in, in town, uh, and they wanted me to implement that, right? Um, the initial idea or concept was for me to do that with Steve to follow as a, he's a field supervisor, an amazing field supervisor, uh, superintendent, right? Um, when, you know, I, I talked to him about the idea and said, hey, you know, I want to, I don't want to impact your decisions, and, and this is something that, I want to do. What do you think? You know, we talked countless times over it and, you know, he's with, I'm with you, you know? So it was always a, a very supportive approach. And at one point in time that, that decision changed. So after I, after I advised this other company that I was going to pass, thank you. This is something I must do. 
the opportunity kind of flipped, meaning that initially it was him following me, right? You need, you need work to supervise in the field. So we need to set up, establish a company, obtain work, put, you know, implement procedures and process and, and programs. Right. And, uh, I think at some point they decided after, after I had notified him that, Hey, you know, well, let's find another, you know, another Josh. Like we're, we're still going to move forward with our plan. <clears throat> so let's find another Josh and let's go see if Steve wants to do this without Josh. And, right. and he stuck to it and said, here, I'm, I'm here to support. And I, you know, that means a lot to me. I think we both went into it as a, you know, a, a team meaning right. I will, it was something he was interested in doing and he had confidence in me based on our history and I had the same with him. So, you know, it was something that I think we both were able to. And that experience you can't replace, that blood, sweat, and tears, all those hours, the countless, you know, fucking projects when shit goes wrong, all the nightmares, the long nights, and then you go the next day and you know that he's fucking there for you. Right. You know, and those core people were there for you and that that's why you selected them. I mean, you know, part of us when we're doing our barbecue events, you know, we're so fortunate to have people like JC and Derek Walls and Abby and Corey and all these people that we can't fucking grow the event, but we've learned so much all together collectively. And it's that collective, you know, it happens in sports too. You know, mm-hmm. you were talking about that on our last podcast. It's in sports, in life, in business, like when you have that experience, those trials and tribulations, and it's not so much the successes as it is the fucking failures. Right. It's when yeah. you fucking fall on your face and your team members are there, your brothers, your sisters, they're there to pick you up. I, I always thought it was really cool. You know, I, I, I know this story <clears throat> so well, but just to um, have a guy like Steve who is getting offered, you know, six figures, again, the four weeks off, all those things, and to say, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm riding or dying with you. I think we can do it on our own. And, uh, you know, I, I would much rather, you know, be with you and, and do it where there is no, you know, he, he didn't know if you guys were going to make it or not. Right. He just had, he's like, okay. I mean, I'm I'm giving up all this, but I, I think we can do it. So let's just go. I mean, that's got to make you feel good in your decision, saying, "Hey, I, I think I did it right. I think I think this is the right decision." He believes in me. He's boots on the ground, knows what's going on. I think this is going to be a, a great, great thing. And I mean, you know, you're two years into it, but I mean, already it just just already going so great. You know, absolutely. Yeah, he had asked me at one point to. So, you know, when, when are you making the decision, the final decision? Are you going to do it or not? I already did. When I said no, that, that was me basically saying sure. yes to this decision and, and getting next gen up. So building, you know, or going to next gen, I mean, how do you come up with next gen name? I mean, the marketing, the, uh, the logo, I mean, those things are such a small thing, but they're such, I mean, the, visually it's such a big thing you know what what made you go with that you know so next gen was originally comprised of of uh or made up of next generation right so yeah. we're we're the the previous generation or steve's mother carol right. and and the rest of us working together so also to to suggest or reflect you know future in construction and technology and things that are advancing in construction that right. are that are uh you know, construction in general is so 
every, archaic or tough to every single business is getting impacted by digital you right. know and even the con, you know construction business it's something that the more that you're implementing i'm sure in the field different things that are cloudless or different things that you can do on your phone that you could never do before with bu- just building plans you know being able to share those with people on your team without having to go and fucking get an actual hard set yeah there's value to the hard set i'm sure you need to have it right. but getting something signed I mean, talk about kind of how digital's played into uh, how you're building your company. Well, it, it construction industry, the construction industry, seems to uh, adapt to technology slower than others. <laughs> uh, <laughs> People like doing their things their way, the way that they've always done them. And I, I mean, I still have I have a fax machine. Do I, you? I mean, well, you have a fucking fax I, machine. I have voice over IP with a Holy fax shit. dedicated line because we cannot. We notify until we're blue in the face. You please, can't not have it. Please send bids or X to estimating it next year. Please Dolby. fucking email them. Don't no. fax them. No. Fax back off the chain on the on bid day. You know <laughs> that's crazy. Um, that's fucking crazy. And then makes it worse. Then they'll fax it three times and email it. So you get you know. But anyway, you know, there's a lot of of advancements that are in the future that we basically just need to try and keep pace. I mean, Mm -hmm. things are changing so rapidly that I think, uh, Dubai just produced their first 3d printed office. Really? Right. So, I mean, there's things from, you know, I, I think in the past, a lot of the new technologies were, were viewed as applicable to, large scale construction only. Mm-hmm. And I think over time that's going to change slowly uh, and be more relevant to all stages, phases, sizes of construction, whether it's design, construction, maintenance, life cycles of building, you know, sure. various things. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of talk about, uh, you know, it's similar to any, industry robotics and things that eliminate you know manpower or resources um i don't know how how applicable that is to such a uh, an industry that is not repetitive mm-hmm. right? A, a, right a level of customization right how sure. do you, there's um, not an assembly line for a fucking right but building. It, but it's going to apply to certain portions of it or aspects of it right yeah the I software side the setting, app side i mean just right. communication side I mean, we have laser scanning mm-hmm. of, of uh, you know, point cloud systems, laser scanning of, of an existing facility to create an as-built drawing where you know how you have a file that identifies where the plumbing and conduit are in the walls and the slab and the ductwork above the ceiling, precise measurements based sure. on a laser scanning or you have drone 3D imaging or you, surveying. Yeah, fucking or, Google Google Earth. I mean, right. God damn, you can put in an address on Google Earth and get a 3D multi-dimensional uh, approach of what you're looking at. I mean, a street view, a top view, a side yeah. view. Have you I used mean, the measurement tool? No. Is there a measurement tool? Per- precise. No way. Really? Yeah. You can measure your backyard from corner to corner on and Google, be within Google six Earth? inches. No way. Yeah. On really? Google Earth. Yeah. Google, Google Maps. Yeah. Google Maps? Mm-hmm. Google, really? Google Maps distance and Google tool. Earth is fucking insane. Yeah, right click. I think distance tool. Start it here. Right right, I can like there. I can literally see the village in Bulgaria outside of Vratsa, where my where where my wife is from. Right. It's I like, always trip out on shit. those like map my runs and stuff too. 
you know, just being able to run around and like, oh yeah, you right. ran three miles today, three point three miles. It's like, well, that's pretty fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Pretty rad. Three yeah, D modeling, another you know, b- building information modeling, BIM they call it, but uh, you know, it's another another three or four or five D form of of designing and constructing a facility. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, there's a there's a lot of things down the pipe that that. And more basic, I mean, we're trying to implement now. Uh, you know, there, there is value in a hard physical set of documents. Sure. And, and uh, you know, some adapting to to electronic drawings may be nearly impossible for some that have been in the industry for 25 years, and this is just how they do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's very difficult to attempt to incorporate or implement when when somebody's so used to something but the but, best part is is it's your company now and you get to make those decisions so well, you, you can you can be an industry leader and you can adapt and make special exceptions based off of what you feel is how you want to do it yeah i see him doing that too because you go to his office and you see touch screen screens and you can see the the blueprints <clears throat> or whatever they're called that are up on on the screen you can zoom in and do those things so you're embracing it right right are you do you try to make sure that you embrace every every technology that you can just to for yourself to kind of see what works, what doesn't work, and then you know your guy's the best, right? And be like, well, Steve's definitely not going to want to use that, or <laughs> or, or, right. or Zach, because I mean Zach's probably more gidgety and gadgety than than others, right. right? So he'll probably want to use certain softwares, or um, you know, he can use those plans, the set of plans, and, and look at it that way. Absolutely, they laugh because any type of tech gadget, you know system software i'm (laughs) I'm exploring and uh, we have to right yeah absolutely if it works for you guys you got to implement it yeah so so but you're right though it's it's to a a certain extent right because implementing something may impact efficiency and Mm -hmm. productivity immediately so you know it's uh, even the it's something as simple as as digital plan tables or plan reading you know we have you know large plan tables in our office and and we now have touchscreen monitors Rad. that that are you know connected to the network and we can share collaborate and and we're we're working through that process and kind of exploring we also have a system that we hope to do that in the field right a, mm-hmm. a, a mobile digital plan station which sure. which others do on large projects you know it's not not very often on on the uh size of projects and the you know our typical scenario but you know i i call them larger projects mm-hmm. but you know this the magnitude or the size of the projects that we're doing are fairly fairly large as well but it's such a range in construction it's, it's huge. like you know what's large a 40-story building i mean it, <laughs> right and it's exactly what you said you know i've talked to brad newberg who used to work for u.s foods is one of our closest friends but now he's in oil you know trinity safety company and he's in oil and I talked to him about, you know, all the same things that we talk about in small business, how it's impacting restaurants, how it's impacting butcher shops, small retail, um, construction, real estate, you name it. But it's the same in the oil. You know, it's like it's old school. This is how we do it. This is the way how we've always done it. Um, so it's kind of slower to change. But the exciting part is that you've positioned yourself as the leader of your company, the founder, and you can start making those changes. Uh, talk about the relationship between the public sector versus the private, because now you're because you're private, you can do those things, but you still have to go through and get bids, right? 
So on the public sector, there's there's various different delivery methods, we'd mm-hmm. call them, right? So uh, uh, something that you've researched there is a design bid build process. So there's so many different, I don't want to bore you with all of them, but a design bid build is a, is a public agency sourcing a design team, completing the design, approving the process, advertising it for bid. We then compete against, you know, our local competition or other general contractors, let's say, and design bid bill typically low bid wins. But see, but part of the advantage of that is that that's what typical single unit restaurant owners or entrepreneurs, that's what we don't do. We're not ready to bring on somebody like a general. We're just, we want to get the fucking project done. We need to get the restaurant open. We need to get the shop open. And we're not doing the right things in the beginning. Uh, Talk about what people should be doing so a a typical misconception would be somewhat similar to what you just said meaning you know we want to get it going right now instead of of bringing on a general contractor in my personal opinion you know and proven in many instances a a general contractor we're here for a reason Mm -hmm. you know there's there's scheduling even without performing work which we have the capability of doing um scheduling Management, sequencing, you know, it, it is a major part of the the get it done now, yeah, quickly, efficiently, cost effective, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, proper planning, I would say. You know, I know that everybody's always in a rush, right? right? Where you get somebody's money, your investors, you, I mean, it's your dream. You want to open up your restaurant, you want to open up your butcher shop. You know, you have this plan of how it's going to happen. And always at the end of that plan, when you've told everyone, hey, I'm going to open at this point, now I'm coming to you and saying, hey, Josh, get these fucking people to do something that we had never agreed to in the beginning. Yeah. And it, it's that much harder because people are trying to walk over each other, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I wanted to kind of touch on that a little bit, too. Is something that Sean and I talk about on our podcast a lot, <clears throat> excuse me, is um, having a good team around you, you know, and I know this is something that... Um, you know, Sean and I have been sharing a little bit about, but I'll kind of go into it a little bit more in depth. But Sean and I are looking to uh, partner up and open a, a grocery store out in La, in La Jolla. And um, to have a team that you trust is probably the most important thing that you can do because you have to have like-minded people. And for our listeners to understand, Josh is a part of our team. Um, we have our attorney, Chris. We have Sean and I, and we have Josh. And those... Those four, I think, probably solidify our team on the people. So Josh, having the education that he has on the the construction side, um, business side, our attorney, all the legalities, and Sean and I as, as uh, business runners or, you know, business owner operators, owner operators. Um, I think it's important that you guys as listeners, if you guys have a store, if you guys have a business, if you guys have anything to make sure you have a team, um, because you're, you're better, you you gotta find like-minded people. You have to find the right, the right team. It's not a fit automatically, but make sure that you're putting yourself in position to, to succeed. Because I know personally, I'm very self-aware of myself and I, and I joke about it a lot, but I want things should have been done yesterday. And I, you know, even with my house or whatever, and it's like, I, I'm not always realistic in those things. And then it takes Josh to be like, him to like laugh at me like, dude, it's like, there's no way that's going to happen. Or here's what you have to look at. Or even when we did, we had the prints for the uh, La Jolla place and for him to be able to look at things and show us 
like here's here's what we have to talk about what's for your um you know your ti money what's what's involved and how much is this going to cost and for things that for me it's like that'd be fucking 10 bucks mm-hmm. it's like no that's going to be like a hundred thousand dollars i'm like holy <laughs> shit like you know those are things that you want to make sure that when you're looking at things you have a uh, involvement and um I mean, so. I, that's so spot on the most important thing is like as entrepreneurs you find space or you hear about space and you want to take over or you want to expand and you're so eager to get that done that you don't bring in the people until it's too late. Too late. You know, one of the things that my grandfather taught me, um, unfortunately, the hard way was just a lot of the construction and real real estate, residential and commercial that we did. Um, we didn't have the right team in place in the in the beginning. So we didn't have the right attorneys, the right general contractors. And you're always trying to save money to stay under budget. And as entrepreneurs, our probably our biggest strength is one of our biggest weaknesses is that we think we could fucking do anything. Like I can fucking learn it. I can do it. I can find somebody, you know, and as much as I love Keith, you know, Keith is a fucking rock star. He helped us do so much stuff that we couldn't have done. But if I went back to when we opened up the restaurant and thought about all the different times where bringing in someone like NextGen, uh, bringing in someone like Chris to review, you know, some contract, and it doesn't matter how small that contract is, or if there was no contract, make a one page contract. That stuff is so critical to being open to different communication so that you can work as a team with your general contractor to get your project done. Right. Relationships, yeah, are, are crucial. I mean, there's there's time after time we're called into a scenario that's... An oh shit scenario? Yeah, late in the game. And, and then, we <laughs> you know, it leads to us making a suggestion. Well, you're, you know, design's not done already. Right. Or you're not clear on this part, but you need to start... Two weeks ago, right? And we just, this is the first time we've discussed this, right? So an option would be to, we know this is ready and we can start this. Let's start it in a phased, you know, program, right? And to support timing, and I'm just throwing out a hypothetical, but when that relationship doesn't exist, I can suggest that, hey, you know, we're fair, honest, and we'll be, you know, open book, transparent. But if it's, if it's not there, that's a, that's a risk on your side or the owner's side, right? So a team, whether it's not saying it should be me, any mm-hmm. team member that you have in place that you can trust and work together with is is crucial. I mean, we've created relationships with with public entities yeah. that based on, you know, the design bid build or the hard bid process that I explained there previously, that at the completion of the project, our change order rate is less than 1%. And we some people find a way to get things done yep. instead of find a way to delay things. Right. And we, you know, provide suggestions instead of problems. And that that process or concept leads to relationships with even large public entities or school districts. Yeah, and I think one thing people, they always, you're hesitant to go to the place that you are, you already know when you're feeling, I see a restaurant in my city that I love. I love how the way it looks. I love the way that it feels, but you're hesitant to reach out to the restaurant owner or the ownership group and find out they're more than willing to recommend whoever that designer was, whoever that general contractor is. Cause I know I am. And I know every time that I've gone, gotten out of my own way and said, Hey, you know, who did that? You know, and it doesn't even have to be a restaurant. It can be, you know, another retail store. It can be anything. But reach out and find out, and more than likely, those people are happy to recommend it because it was a great experience. Yeah, it's important to make sure, and 
those people, they've gone through it. So you can actually trust what they're saying. You know, yeah. like for, for me going through, if someone wanted to ask me about a stock purchase agreement with, through family, like come fucking talk to me because sure. I, I've gone through it and I'm actually pretty good at, at all that now. And, you know, it's, um, I'm more than willing to, to help people. And I think a lot of people have this misconception that people just want to be so tight with everything. They don't want to tell you who, who was the designer, the, the general contractor, um, I think that's a thing of the past. I think people are a lot more transparent with that now. Yeah, just it it takes listening to something like a podcast and going, well, fuck, maybe I should just reach out before I start to make this investment that, you know, this is your your dream. Once you want to become an entrepreneur and you want to open up your own business, like, fuck, everything, everything is riding on that. You're all in. You're in that all in jumping off the cliff moment. Like, this is the time to make the right fucking decisions. Right. And you, don't try to do it by yourself. Reach out, you know, reach out to this podcast. Like no, no matter where you are, we're going to just tell you transparently, this is what we've done based off of our experience. And by no mean are we fucking experts. No, but think about what we've done already. I mean, how many times have we taken Josh on a walk of a, yep. of a property just to kind of get his opinion on things? And, yep. and, and same thing with Chris, our attorney. And it's like, I'm sure they're sick of it, but we're not going to stop calling them just so you, <laughs> so you know you're not getting out of anything. But it's, I mean, those things and just doing that how much we've learned yeah. over the past year on looking at different projects. I mean, we're going to be looking at another one later this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be able to bring your team in to do those things, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot more eye opening for me because I, again, I was very, uh, <clears throat> naive and I thought everything was a lot easier than, uh, what, it, what it actually turns out to be with the, the leases and making sure that everything's right with the TI monies and build out. And what's a white shell? Well, what does a white shell mean when they give you of a, you know, tenant or a owner is going to give you a, a shell of a place? Like, what does that even entail? You know, their perception might be different than what Josh's is. So mm-hmm. to make sure that all those things are, kind of buttoned up right away because that could be a difference in 50 to a hundred thousand dollars in sure. TIs. So Yeah. I mean, you know, for us, we want to be a resource to the listener. So if they hear something that will help them build their business or send them to a website that we might use, um, restaurantowner.com is something that I've relied on since we opened the restaurant and the amount of articles that they have from industry experts who are general contractors who have gone through their business plan templates they're all kinds of what are the questions that you should ask what are the things you should be thinking of what's the timeline all the stuff that you don't realize you're going to have to know until you have to know it Um, one analogy they gave in one of the articles was making the most of your garden begins with preparing the soil you know, you can't have a garden like if you don't prepare that soil like that's going to set you up for foundation like the things that you would tell Derek or myself before we opened up a place about the electrical requirements, about how much AC we need to have to put in here, or, you know, let's say this is an extreme success. Well, how can we put another walk in here? Well, if we're not talking to you, we're not going to plan for that. And uh, talk about the things. Have you seen anything? Talk about some advice, I guess. Well, forward thinking, what your plans are in the future, what you can do to to mitigate cost impacts down the road based on your, you know, you're obviously not going to always know everything. But I mean, back to that comment on preparation. I think I mentioned it a bit ago. You and I had discussed it the other day. The other day. It was funny. Um, Clarity Mm -hmm. in, in regards to, you know, your plan. I mean, you can seek suggestions and options and and i understand that's all part of the process right but but clear cut 
direct, you know, scope of work is is very important to both timing and cost, right? So, for example, if you if you walk into this facility and I say, hey, what do you want to do here? Well, I'm not sure. I think I I think I want to you know make this room bigger, get rid of these stairs, add this, add, you know, replace the flooring, increase the height of the ceiling. But I might you know change this over here and down the road I'm you know yeah it, it's just a matter of uh especially with the with the timing crunch that's always yeah. seems to be on everybody right so preparation in terms of clarity of scope of work allows for cost effective pricing planning sequencing a work that leads to timely completion right so it's like you in the catering industry, say, you right? You got to give the analogy because that actually, when you tell me the analogy, it actually hit home with me better. So go ahead. I mean, it's very basic, but it's right. like, hey, if I called you and said, hey, uh, I want you to do a catering gig, and I want uh, lobster tails and fillets for, should be right around a hundred people, but it, it could be around, you know, up to two hundred and fifty. <laughs> Okay. What are you planning for? You have to bid. You have to yeah. bid it out for 250 people to make yeah. sure that you have enough. Absolutely. Right. And then if you're out getting competitive bids, so the way I would approach it with with not just guys like you, but any any client or somebody that I you know we're creating a relationship with or serving as a general contractor or construction manager or, or in regardless of the role would be a an all inclusive you know proactive approach that says here's what we foresee, right? And here's what we suggest. And we know this is going to happen and we're going to account for that. And as opposed to an adversarial down the road change order yep. and you know cost impact to you that's unexpected or surprise. Now, if you go out with a bid number two, right? Competition and, and it's clear cut scope at a minimum mm-hmm. and then you you compare the two and the answer is this guy over here his price is through the roof yeah so give me a call at the end of the project and see which price was through the roof right sure right so that that leads back to so we're talking preparation organization right but that leads back to relationship because mm-hmm. you don't know that until that relationship's established. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, we we've, we've talked about it with Ted when he was opening Wheat and Water. You know, one of the challenges he had was getting the restaurant open. You know, it was way longer than expected, and he was opening up a pizza shop in La Jolla that's doing absolutely incredible. But Ted, as, sound, he's like me. Yeah, <laughs> I'll fucking get it done. Yeah, like I'll get it done. I'll get somebody else. I got a guy. I got fifteen guys on my phone. Like we'll fucking get the hammers and nails and we'll bang it out and make it happen. But ultimately, you know, not preparing that soil for your garden, you know, you're going to run into so many fucking challenges, you know, operationally because because of the push. And as those as that time crunch gets closer, you realize that until you're fucking open, that register is not ringing. So there is no money coming in. Everything's going out, you know, and that puts a strain on both the relationship between the GC and the person that's, you know, the, the shop owner. Yeah, when we talked to Brian Smith last week about it, too, and he's like, you know kind of the same concept but it's like man you got to make sure that you're 
you have to be a, a kid first before you can be an adult. Yep. You have to make sure that, you know, you go through all your stages. You know, everyone wants to, you can't be born as an adult. You have to go through all the stages to, to learn. And um, it's important. It's, it's again, I mean, dude, we talk about it all the time and I'm sure everyone's fucking sick and tired of us saying it, but you just have to fucking trust the process. The process is, you know, this instant gratification is, it's, doesn't happen all the time. I mean, those things are great. I mean, sometimes it, you do, it does happen, but I mean, embrace where you're at. You know, we talk about it even in, in fatherhood. Like for me, it's been one of those things where sometimes you get caught up and like, I can't wait till my son's like 12 years old so I can <laughs> throw this ball at him. We can, I can really teach him how to throw this ball and do this. But it's like, I need, I need to embrace him when he's three. How about today? Yeah. yeah about today? I, I need to how be able right to like now? have fun with him when he's like swinging and missing. And I mean, my, my sons are, are great. And you know, Duke, Josh's son and your son. I mean, they're, it's great. But we just need to make sure that we embrace this time. Yeah. And because we're going to look back probably when he's 12 and yeah, we are going to teach him how to, how to throw, but he's fucking, we're walking away and he's flipping us off and like, fuck <laughs> you, you know? Man, okay, where, Dad. Where's that sweet little three-year-old, you know, that right. was uh, swinging and missing and then stuff like that. So yeah, just trust the process, embrace it. Um, I mean, we've been open for 62 years and we don't have everything right. Fuck no. So it's a, uh, it's a forever evolving circle and making sure that you just uh, are very open to uh, education and, and change and it's one of the biggest things that one of the hardest things you ever do in life is change, but you have to make sure you do. And like, you know, what you're doing with next gen is just embracing all the new technologies that are coming out. I mean, some of the things when I go to his office and I see it, I'm just like, Jesus Christ, it's just, it's over my head, you know, mm -hmm. but I need to make sure I'm embracing those things here too and implementing things that can make us more efficient. I mean, I know for me, when I go and I look at Josh at next gen, when they have bid day, mm -hmm. okay, first off, Next time he has bid day, you're going to come with me. Done. It is fucking insane what they Sounds do for exciting. bid day. For me to look at, I'm sure not for him. I mean, I'm <laughs> sure he's fucking, but I mean, like you would think, okay, bid day. Yeah, you got it. You know what? A $5 million bid. You got to put a, a plug a few numbers in. It is gnarly, dude. Yeah. I mean, the, the shit that they have laid out, every bid that's coming in, everyone's on board. Like they're running around getting stuff to get the submittal to put through. I mean, I don't want to put your business out there, you know, but he had the biggest job you've ever got, right? Um, and you won it by $30,000. Right. Which is less than a half of a percent. No, it's way less far than less, that. Yes. Far less than that. I mean, insane. But he had to do every single thing right to make sure. And, I mean, they're running around and, and doing it. And it's, you know, hours and hours. I mean, that's just their crunch time. But it's just. Sure. Uh, you have some heavy hitters, too, on that on that particular project. It's, a you know, large for us. Fairly good set. You know, it's 15 and a half million. That's mm -hmm. huge. It's insane. Um, yeah. I mean, your $30,000 on 15 million is fucking nuts. Right. That's fucking nuts. And I think I there mean, was 50000 what, what, what are you buying for $30,000? Like. What? Yeah, I could have added more toilets. Like seriously, like, seriously, you know fuck. I mean? like right. temporary facilities. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it's insane. Um, and not got it right, but no, I think between first and third, there was probably I think it was fifty thousand total. So it's crazy. Um, so you know, there's some heavy hitters out there that obviously they get beat by that little amount. They want to come after you too, right? Sure. This, this uh, new, you know, familiar names and faces, and people are aware who we are, but it's still a you know new 
kind of smaller company. Do right? you find that in the construction business that it's more of a competitive um, us against us against them as opposed to, you know, the coolest thing for Derek and I is watching this West Coast barbecue movement and watching how, you know, all of us shop owners and butcher shop. I mean, we're, we're all supporting each other. And we love it. I mean, we fucking love it because we're built, we're, you know, it's, it's creating the synergy. It's creating something that's so fucking cool that even the Union Tribune's taking notice, which, you know, we've been kicking and fucking screaming for 10 years. And finally, they're taking notice, not in the way that we want, but it's a step. Um, do you guys find that at least with old school versus new school? Is there like new school construction companies that are, you know, no, <laughs> <laughs> no I, I watch that as well. Exactly what you're talking about. And I, I mean, no, there's just uh, it's that's a, unfortunate. It's a cutthroat, you know. Yeah, us against hey. you. Fuck you. We're keeping all of our secrets. Right. I mean, there's a few out there. I, that's not our approach. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you know. I communicate with with other owners and and management teams that are like minded. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, you know, it's uh, it's a cutthroat. Uh, well, that's hope, against the world. I mean, hopefully that changes. I mean, even Brian Smith from UGG was talking about, I mean, the company that bought that bought UGG ultimately was somebody that he was competing with. He was fucking competing with on the trade floor and, you know, they'd see each other, but they remained friendly. And I don't know how much they were sharing each other's secrets, but I mean, for Derek and I, we don't have any fucking secrets. No. <laughs> uh, you know, as much as, as much knowledge as we can give out, hopefully we can prevent somebody from, you know, not hiring a general contractor, not having an attorney or not having, you know, an HR policy that's going to really screw you over when, you know, somebody does something just tragic happens. That's one of your staff. Well, for members. me, life's so much easier without the secrets. Oh, because, fuck. I mean, so much easier. I, I don't, my memory is not that great anyways. And to think about what I told someone and what I didn't tell someone, it's like, man, for me, it's like more I can just be an open book. Yeah. I mean, it's just, my life has just, uh, gotten so much easier in that, that respect, you know, just making sure that a good person give the best advice I can give. Um, it's not always the right advice, you know, and everyone's different, but I mean, it's for me, the transparency for, I just feel so much better about life when I'm that way. Mm -hmm. Um, It really strikes home for me. It's always easy answer, right? If you don't know, you know what to do, you're stuck in a bind. Do what seems right. Yeah. Right. Trust your so gut. I think we had a, you know, in our, in our previous roles and, and company, the, the, that was really the foundation of our old company. I think they had a, a good, uh, you know, led by Carol. It was uh, integrity, honest, you know. Well, that's something that, you know, we need to talk about too real quick is the way Josh runs his business, you don't see big contractors out in the community like he is he has put in turf in little league fields at a no cost to them him he donates all that stuff Dude. he does it for our little league um and humul rancho san diego he sponsors our barbecue events uh, i mean look spring valley and del mar he's not going to get a fucking lead probably off of sponsoring no. but he's in the community just just to show that that's who he is sure you don't it's, think anybody's going to call and say build me a new uh, <laughs> right yeah i don't know if any of our uh you know what the funny are... the funny thing is you would be surprised is once you start doing the right things it opens up so many fucking different doors right. like if you do if you feel it in your heart and you feel like it's something that you want to do and you're the business owner and you can make that decision i mean nothing's better I mean, Derek and I, 
it's so fucking hard to say no. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to say no. But like we have to say say no because we need to set up boundaries so that we can stay in business. I mean, that's why we created this annual Spring Valley Barbecue Festival so we could focus one spot. But I mean, exactly what you said is you you're making those decisions. You're sponsoring certain things um, that you know are going to help because you're in a position to do so. Uh, talk about your philosophy on giving back. It's something that I don't look at it as necessarily a marketing yeah. campaign, mm-hmm. you know, or, or procedure. I guess it's just something that that, that I enjoy, really. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I'm not out necessarily looking for the right one or what, what makes sense, where I can, you know, spend some money that might return. It, it's right. just Little League Baseball, we're involved with it, right. you know, prior to... What's a big part of... It was a big part of our life just in general. Right. And and prior to, you know, this year, both, you know, Duke and, and Dalton play together, mm-hmm. our, our sons. But but even last year, you know, I think Rancho San Diego reached out to us. Absolutely. It's down the street. We work at that school district. It's, uh, you know... And even if it's not down the street, like you said, in your barbecue events, it's something that, uh, you know, we just enjoy doing. So if we're able to do it, you know, we're, we're still a new business, but... But uh, we'd like to be involved in the community. and, and uh, I mean, it means the world to us because we know having put on the Spring Valley event for nine years and having put on Del Mar, now will be our third year, is we can't do it without sponsors and we can't do it without community support. Um, there is no event if we don't have people like NextGen stepping up to help us, you know, with the judges, you know, walling so that we can make sure that we remain, we keep the integrity of the Kansas City Barbecue Society those things are crucial for Derek and myself. And it's crucial for us with the barbecue movement, with being able to raise money for charities is giving back, but we can't do it without you. So, I mean, from the bottom of our heart, Derek and I, you know, we we're, we're grateful. We're grateful that you're in an, op- you're in a position to do that. We're glad we can help. Well, not even that he's in the position, just that he still Feels does it. it. You yeah, know, absolutely. That's, what, that's, and that's, what we talked about the team that you have that's why josh is a part of our team and it's not just for that transactional monetary gain it's you know he's a a like-minded person um so yeah i mean i hope uh our listeners um have learned some stuff and enjoyed this podcast you have to do a social shout out oh yeah we do have a social shout out so um every week we do a social shout out you get to win a sexy behind the smoke mug um tag us Hashtag behind the smoke in all of your uh, posts or tag us at barbecue war stories on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, we like to be on all those things, but this is going out to chef Malin Jones. It's Hootenanny BBQ. So at Hootenanny BBQ, uh, he is a certified Kansas city barbecue society judge. He also has a YouTube page. Uh, if you search Malin Jones, but Go out, follow him. Uh, he's doing some really kick-ass things. Be sure to tag us in the stuff that you're doing for us. It's really important that we share your journey and that we are a resource for you. Um, for Derek and I, it's you know it's very humbling to be on this podcast every single week and talking to different people that are leading the way, um, leading the way with what's happening in business, and you know to have Union Tribune actually step up and recognize some of the pit masters that we've had in on this program. Yeah. It's really fucking cool. There's some that weren't included, but at least there's start there's a start of a conversation, which is important. I think it's uh, going to be big. I think barbecue is starting to get recognized out here in, in California. So 
you know, we, we can just do our part and keep moving it forward and, and hoping that people gravitate to not just our barbecue, but the movement in general. And Absolutely. Start to understand it. Well, they start putting on their own barbecue events and, um, you know, start put, building their own businesses. I would love to go to an event. And, and not, <laughs> not we we really love going to other people's barbecue <laughs> events and helping you promote your barbecue event. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for us, uh, we're, we're absolutely grateful for, for Josh. Thank you for those listeners that are reaching out every week. Um, we have a core group that are are giving shout outs to our guests that are on the show. They're following their social pages. They're interacting, letting them know what they appreciate about the program, um, about the podcast and make sure you follow at next gen, uh, building it's what at next gen building group, next gen building, next gen building. We're going to put everything we talk about in the show notes, uh, including links to restaurant owner, any resources that we have. Uh, thank you guys for listening to the podcast. And we got a little sneak, sneak peek behind the scenes of, uh, Derek's closest people, which I'm I'm happy because we had Jack and Adam Harris both on here. Yeah. Uh, so it's nice to nice to get 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 behind the scenes of uh, Derek's life. But we're uh, we're honored to to have you in the circle. I'm honored to be in your circle, actually. <laughs> Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks, guys. Hey guys, this is Sean and Derek, and we just really want to thank you for listening to the podcast. It means the world to us. We'd like you to go check out BehindTheSmokeMedia.com. That's our website where we have barbecue resources for you to help build your barbecue business. Uh, we also have events listed, so anything that's happening in the West Coast barbecue movement, uh, anything that's going on, we want you to go check that out so you can learn more and get involved. We also have show notes uh, from all the episodes, so anything we talked about in the episodes, you can find detailed show notes there. Um, plus, you can just get in touch with us. It's important that uh, we're here as a resource for you. So please reach out. Let us know how Derek and I can help you with your barbecue journey. Uh, get involved. Stay curious. And uh, follow us on social at Barbecue War Stories. Uh, we'll talk to you soon.